0: Well, good morning everybody, Uh, Mount Pleasant and Alma and uh, St. John's and everybody online and each of our campuses, delighted that you are together. Okay, you're either gonna come up with this or you're still doing it right now or you've done this in the past. Who here can look back and remember the days, for Kelly and I was a good few years ago, where it was sippy cups and it was bottles of milk and mashed up food. You remember those days? For some of you, you haven't done that yet, but it's gonna come around the corner. You'll have some kiddos one of these days. For some of you, you're doing it right now. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And for others of you, that was yesteryear. I remember my wife, and you know, you would think she's a nice and godly woman. She looks like it, but she, she would take every advantage and take such joy because of, I really, it's a hardship that I endure. I don't know why, but when I was spoon-feeding my kids when they were little babies, there's a part of my anatomy that I have no control over. It is my? My mouth. I don't know why I, uh, that I do this. Uh, drawing as well, I can't draw at all, but I do Like my mouth just starts to twist and contort. So the airplane's coming, right? And you're trying to get the airplane to land and get that food in that little mouth. And all of a sudden, my mouth is contorting and twisting. And sometimes my tongue sticks out. It goes to the left and the right. It's involuntary. I don't know what to do about it. And my wife likes to mock me for this reason. And I'm not alone, right? There are some of you, all our campuses, you know what I'm talking. You're in my club, right? And you do it as well. And your mouth starts to twist and turn. And those of you who are capable, of feeding your babies much of food without that we know that you think you're better than us we sense your mockery we can taste it it's dripping and in our defense yeah i got nothing i don't know why i don't know why we do that at all i don't know why we do that check it out first corinthians chapter 3 verse 1 brothers and sisters i could not address you as people who live by the spirit but as people who are still worldly and he likes that word he uses it quite a bit people who are worldly You're mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still, here's the same word again, worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, well, I follow Paul, and another says, well, I follow Apollos, are you not mere humans? humans. So so what's going on in this passage? This is a gentleman by the name of Paul. He's writing a letter to Christians. So this is for you and I. This is not for non-believers. This is for believers and followers of Jesus Christ. And he's talking about spoon-feeding babies. That's what that verse is about. Now, I'm not sure if you can tell, but I I think there's a tone in these few little verses. And the, the tone is this. Look, if you legitimately are a baby then there's nothing wrong with spoon feeding mashed up food to a baby, right? You don't put a T-bone steak down in front of a two month old baby. That's not going to work. So legitimately, you get the mashed up food and you spoon feed a baby who needs that kind of help. The tone is that he seems to be suggesting that he's still spoon feeding them like they're babies, but it's been time where they shouldn't be babies anymore. And we've all heard this when we were grown up. When mom and dad looked at you and said, look, you're old enough to make your own bed. Hold on a second here. You're at an age where you can fold your own laundry. You've got to a point in your life where I shouldn't have to tell you to eat your vegetables. And we all know moments like that where parents, for whatever reason, they're looking at you and they're saying, actually, you should be past that now. There was a day when it was okay. And I would fold your laundry for you, but actually, you're acting like you're a baby. But you're older than that. You should be further along than you are right now. And parents look at us and they say, "It's time for you to grow up a little bit." And the word for all of that is singly, one single word, and it is the word immaturity. There's probably a little bit of that in every single one of us. But of course, Paul is not talking about folding laundry or eating your vegetables. Paul is talking to you and I, but he is addressing a spiritual reality. He's not talking about maturity or immaturity in the sense of just common sense, where you see a person kind of behaving a little childish. He's actually relating this to your spiritual life with Jesus Christ. That it's possible for a person to follow Jesus Christ and yet fail to mature in that relationship. And there's a tone in his verse, in these verses. You should be further along. You've been following Christ for some period of time, but actually you're acting like you're still a little bitty baby. Now, I don't think you should feel bad about that if you truly are a spiritual infant. And so, if if there's anybody listening to me today and you are actually, this is very new to me. This is very recent for me. I, I recently came to Christ, found forgiveness of my sins then you are a spiritual baby. And praise God, that's where you ought to be. And we would never expect that perhaps you would understand the Bible from page to page that you've memorized verses or chapters or books of the Bible. We wouldn't expect you to perhaps know things like about prayer or self-sacrifice or tithing or generosity or serving or uh, uh, self-denial or generosity or unity or the gifts of the Holy Spirit because you probably haven't even heard of those things before. The problem arises when a Christ follower has been following Jesus for some period of time, but they never grew up. They remained a baby. You, potentially, remained like an infant. Years of following Jesus under your belt, and here's here's a spiritual contrast of what he's talking about. Years of following Jesus, and yet here you are, like, still getting offended at people. Still unwilling to forgive. Still holding on to grudges a lack of spiritual habits in your life, basic things, like maybe talking to God, praying to Him, getting into His Word, still engaging, and there's the negative things, and we see this in the verse a little bit, in things like gossip and, and slander, and still getting distracted like a child would. But you've got years under your belt, and like, why am I still behaving like a baby, like an infant? I should be a little further along by now. You've been a Christian for years, but there's either poor spiritual habits or maybe no spiritual habits. So it's not just failing to read God's word. And this series that we're in right now about you know, being a disciple, and being a disciple maker is all about not just reading the word of God, not just hearing a sermon, but actually doing what the word of God says. We listen to the preached word of God, and we listen to that and say, okay, here's what I will do with that. Here's how I'm going to act that out. Same verse, I just want to reread it again. He says, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Mere infants in Christ You're still not ready. You're still worldly. The examples that he gives in the text here is quarreling, people being jealous, and did you catch a little bit of church politics in there? Well, I like Paul. No, no, no. I like Apollos. That's that's my favorite. When they're, they're a better leader, they're a better speaker, I will only listen to those people. And it's childish stuff. And the word Paul puts on it is worldly. So he's saying, it's not the spirit of God, that's the spirit of this world. So you think about the way everyone else thinks and acts. People who don't know God, people who have no regard for God whatsoever. You're functioning the way they do. You haven't grown up at all. I remember talking to a friend of mine years ago, and he said to me, you know, I came to Christ uh, sometime in maybe his mid-forties. That's when I became a Christian, and I repented of my sins, I started living for God. And I was like, okay. And it had been like a decade since he had committed his life to Christ. And he was looking at me and saying, well, I don't know these things. I can't be expected to do these things. And I don't know the Bible. I mean, there are other people who grew up in the church or other people who've been Christians far longer than I have. What was he doing? He had been following Jesus for a decade, but he was giving himself a hall pass to basically live in a way that he knows better. What happened in the last decade? actually heartbreaking stuff. And here's the thing I want to say to you, church. I don't want that for you. I don't want you to be following Christ for a decade, but acting like a two-year-old, living and functioning as a spiritual two-month baby. In a church our size, all our campuses and online, is it possible that in community church that we have people who have been following Christ for some number of years and yet there is still immaturity and childishness in their walk with Christ? A hundred percent, yes. Of course that's in us. Of course that's in our church. And from a place of love and care, from a place of a shepherd, I actually don't want that for you. And I'll tell you why. Because your faith will never really make sense to you if you remain in a state of infancy. And what happens is, your spiritual life turns into consumerism and spectatorship. Think about a baby. Think about a toddler. You gotta to meet all my needs. Open your mouth, here comes, the, here comes the airplane. Change my diaper, make my bed, do it all for me. And your spiritual life actually won't make any sense. And what happens is it becomes a bit lifeless and stagnant, and you become plump and overweight and unfit and undisciplined, and then what happens to that kind of toddler age is you begin to feel entitled to that way of life as a follower of Christ. And it's a real danger for any person who gets there, because you fail to become the man or woman that God has called you to, particularly a man or woman on mission, and you mistakenly begin to think that the idea of following Christ, the sum total of being a disciple of Jesus Christ, is that you come to a building on a Sunday where you are spoon-fed messages to make you feel good. Now, there's nothing wrong with encouragement. There's nothing wrong with affirmation and love and care. That's great. But this idea that I must walk away feeling good about myself, open wide, here comes the airplane. I'm telling you right now, Christ died for so much more than that. The sum total of being a Christian, there's a higher calling than simply saying, well, I really want my desires and my preferences met. And then what happens to that infant who should be further along is when things get hard, when difficulty comes around, when somebody says a little something that irks them, or there's a bit of pain in life, a little bit of discomfort, it's tantrum time. I can't possibly endure any discomfort in my life. And then here's where it gets really crazy. Well, God, this is your fault. Why am I experiencing anything other than feed me and meet all my needs? I don't know if following you like this is actually worth it. I don't know if trying to show up or help or serve or learn or grow, I don't know if any of those things are worth it at all because I just don't think if you really loved me, I wouldn't be feeling the way I'm feeling. It's just God's fault. This is the church's fault. This is the pastor's fault. If Christianity or Christ... Give space for discomfort or inconvenience, you will be ready to opt out. I gave it a chance, and you'll never grow up, and you will remain a baby. And your life in Christ will become so boring, so dull, so lifeless, a lifeless tradition that will eventually just start kind of fade for you. And what happens to spiritual muscles is they never get any workout, and atrophy kicks in, and muscles begin to shrink due to a lack of use. And it's cultural Christianity, it's American Christianity, it's nominal Christianity, it's census Christianity, it's lukewarm, traditional, superficial Christianity. All of those phrases, by the way, we really should just take the first word out of it, because Christianity, it's just Christianity. It's just following Christ, and what happens to you is you end up, people look at you, and it is the appearance of Christ without the power of Christ in your life. I don't want that for you, from my heart. I don't want that for you. It's like slow death by lethargy, a failure to thrive, and it's a misrepresentation of what it means when Jesus said, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Not only is it painful for you, but, oh man, it causes me to cringe. Every and any time I have ever seen a person who is far from Christ, a non-Christian, and they encounter a Christian, a person who claims Christianity, they've been living for Jesus for decades, but they're acting like infants and babies. And when those two people come together, it's like, oh... Christianity dies a thousand deaths because the non Christian looks at that Christian and says, This is Christianity. Oh, if that's what it is, you can keep it. I don't want that. Last time I got a haircut, sitting in the chair talking to this lady, and we had a good chat going. She says, Yep, yeah, done with church, never going back. And I was like, Tell me, what happened? She's kind of grandmother age. She said, last time I went to church, I was carrying in my two grandchildren. Kind of, I pictured like one on each hip. And uh, she walked in. She said, I was wearing that day a pair of corduroy trousers. And as I walked in with my two grandchildren, this is what this man that I'd never met before came up to me in the church and he said to me, is that what you think is okay to wear in the house of the Lord? Isn't that lovely? Ridiculous, right? Ridiculous, amen? Like, please tell me, like that's crazy, what are you doing? Why are you talking like that? So I'm sitting in the chair, and I'm like, ticked off. I'm like, he said what? I'm like getting angry as I'm getting my hair cut. And at a minimum level, he is rude, he's judgmental, what he did was unloving, and then to make it worse, he did it in front of a bunch of people, and she felt embarrassed at her clothes, and she felt humiliated, and she says, fine, I'm done. Here it is, God. I don't like this discomfort. I'm done. I'm not going back to church. We're all done. And I get so fired up about this. I get so fired up about the church. I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm so sorry this happened to you. I can't believe this happened to you. You do realize this is actually like an unbelievable misrepresentation of the love of Jesus Christ and the church. That's actually the opposite of what it's supposed to be. I'm so sorry this happened to you. I'm just going crazy. I said, you gotta come to community church because like we're, nobody's perfect and everybody's loved and everybody's welcomed and anything is possible with God. You should come here and I'm getting all fired up and then I realized she has a scissors in her hand. I need to be careful in this moment. <laughs> I could get a really bad haircut coming up. <laughs> but what's with the guy? I mean, can I be kind? He's a legalistic fool. That's my kind version. A legalistic fool of a man. What a fool. What a damaging fool. And he walks away thinking, I said the right thing. I put her in her. Yeah. What is that? But here's the truth. He's Painfully immature. What does he need? Well, I know what I want. I want to knock his block off in the name of Jesus, so that's okay. (laughs) I want to knock his block off. I want to verbally assault the guy. I want to take him down a peg or two. But if I do that, guess what I am? I am as immature as he is. What does he need? Not what do I want. What does he need? Church, He needs to be discipled he needs to grow up he needs to be confronted with truth and love he needs to repent he needs to apologize to that woman and he needs to start following jesus differently what about her what does she need i'm not going back to church My feelings were hurt. Mature or immature? Have you done it? What does she need? She needs to be discipled. She needs some care. She's upset. And I tried to care for her and be kind to her and show her the love of Jesus Christ but in the context of being hurt and a bit wounded, she needs to find obedience to Jesus Christ. I don't want lifeless church attendance for you. Church, are you with me today? Like i realize, like I'm putting down some stuff here, like not the most pleasant thing to hear perhaps, but we're not talking about society, we're not talking about culture, we're not talking about America, we're talking about you, talking about me, Dallas Willard. The greatest issue facing the world today, so big statement, the greatest issue facing the world today is whether those who by profession or culture are identified as Christians, so those who say, I am a Christian, will they become disciples? A whole bunch of people walking around saying, no, 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 I am a Christian. According to this author, the greatest need in the world today is that those people who seem to claim this would actually begin to disciple, be disciples of Jesus Christ. Church, listen to these statements please. I am not a Christian spectator. I am not a Christian consumer. I am a spiritual contributor. I was made by God and for great things. So all of our campuses actually really, really loud, all together, ready? I am not a Christian spectator. I am not a Christian consumer. I am a spiritual contributor. I was made by God for great things. And in order for that to become a reality in your life, you're going to need to grow up and mature. Great things, good things, God things, kingdom of God things, biblical purposes, God's heart and mission for the gospel, God's design and purposes for you. I simply have never seen that happen in any other person without looking and observing a concerted shift from the comfort of God infancy to a sense of, I'm going to begin to spiritually mature, a concerted effort towards growth and maturity, because it forces us to stand up. And even if we're wobbly, to start to walk, to start to use spiritual muscles of serving each other and putting others ahead of ourselves. All toddlers do this. The classic age, I think, is two and three, right in that window right there. And I remember our kids, all, all of my kids did this. That moment, they're just like their mother, where they fall on the ground, <laughs> arch their back, crocodile tears, wailing, screaming, arms and legs flailing. That's just like your mother. I saw people nodding at me like, that was not a good thing to say. <laughs> it's all right, she's coming to the next service. I won't say it in that one. <laughs> Here's what Kelly and I did. We made this thing where we said, look, next time our kid is thrown a, in Ireland we call it thrown a wobbler. Thrown a tantrum, right? The kid's thrown a total wobbler on the floor and we looked at each other and we said, here's what we're gonna do. Kid starts doing it, we looked at each other, smiled. We just walked out of the room. And the kid was left by themselves, kicking and screaming and flailing and crocodile tears. It was fantastic. And we were like around the corner laughing our heads off. And then you see like 30 seconds later, The kid just stops. Where's my audience? I was giving my best performance ever. Where did they go? And then this kid for 30 seconds just wandered around the house in silence, bewildered. And then they found us. And they flung themselves on the floor again and Kelly and I just walked out of the room. It doesn't work unless there's an audience there. What would it be like if you identify the spiritual immaturity in your own life. And in a sense, you just said, I'm not tolerating that. I'm walking out of the room. I'm not giving that an audience. I will not permit that, even within myself. I'm going to identify that and starve myself of that. I'm going to leave the room. I'm going to be intolerant of here comes the airplane and little bottles of milk and sippy cups I'm not going in for church politics or quarreling or jealousy or distraction. I'm going to be intolerant of an impotent worldly way instead of the way of Jesus. I want to show you an image if I could. I'm going to pop it up on the screen here. And if I had a nickname for this, it's just a little picture, I would call it the maturity wheel. And I just want to kind of go around the wheel here. And here's my question I want to ask you as you're looking at this. I'm going to ask you, would you please find yourself in this little picture here? The first one is a description called being dead in your sin or being dead in Christ. It's actually quite a biblical phrase, being lost in your transgressions. It means it's a person who has no relationship with God whatsoever. They have not repented of their sin. They have no faith in Jesus Christ. And if that's you here today, despite the fact that I've just called you dead in your sin, which is kind of rude of me to do that, can I just say, I'm delighted that you're here in church today. And I believe Jesus loves you and he wants to do amazing things in your life. Is that you today? Are you dead in your sin? A second one would be an infant. Is this you? Are you an infant? Maybe you have just begun to follow Christ. Maybe this is new to you. What does that look like? What would an infant sound like? Well, infants will say things like, no, I'm sorry, I just can't help you with that, I'm too busy. Infants will say things like, well, I just think all Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. Infants will say, Look, I've got more important things to do than to get into a group and to get into the Word of God together. Uh, infants will say things like, well, God knows that I'm fine just the way that I am. An infant might be brand new in Christ, and here's where it gets really painful, church, or an infant could be somebody who's following Christ for many years, but they failed to grow up. It's a failure to thrive. Generally speaking, for an infant, life is all about them and their needs. The third one is a child. Is this you? You begin to grow a little bit. You have relationships with people who are Christians and non-Christians, which is great. You're just starting to develop some Bible habits, maybe some prayer habits. What does it look like? A child might say something like, Well, I really like my church because I feel like I belong, which is wonderful. Well, my community group is really good uh, because they make me feel welcome. But I'm actually a little bit upset because my community group got a little bit too big and they said they need to split in two to make more room for more people. And I don't like that because I just began to get to know these people. I just started making friends. Spiritual children are just starting to grow up a little bit. They're starting to love God, they're starting to love people, but it's still mostly about them and their needs and their comfort. That's a child. Is that you? The fourth one here is a young adult. That's a great stage of maturity because you're beginning to be a little less self-centered and self-focused and you're beginning to become a little bit other focused. Beginning to see yourself as a servant, as a minister of other people. Beginning to step into some basic spiritual habits and disciplines like generosity and thanksgiving or uh, understanding your purposes in Christ, tithing. A young adult might say, you know, I was going to do this on Friday and I was really looking forward to that, but I'm not going to do that because my friend actually needs a bit of help, so I'm going to go and I'm going to spend some time with them. I think that would be a better thing for me to do. Yeah, my, my community group got too big and we, we split in two, and actually, I see the need for it and maybe I could help out now because they probably need a few more leaders. Maybe I could do that. Young adults are beginning to put other people first and they're beginning to become doers of the word of God. And then there's the last one. Parents, is this you? This is a a great place of maturity. Now, church, can I ask you, do we ever arrive? Do we ever land at like, I am now officially mature. I don't have to mature anymore, right? We all know the answer is no. I will never stop growing. I will never stop trying my best to become more and more like Jesus Christ. But parents, are becoming skilled at seeing other people and seeing where they're at and seeing what their needs are and then saying, there's perhaps a way in which I could step in and begin to disciple and care and support and love and pray. They begin to understand this role of investing into other lives, which is the greatest investment you can ever make. Spiritual parents say things like, I'm not going to do that thing on Friday that I wanted to do. Instead, I'm going to visit Susie because she needs a bit of help and support. But I'm going to bring Mary with me so she can see how to do that in another person's life. That's, an, that's another level of maturity. Parents are solid in the the Word of God. They're grounded in the Word of God. There's a dependence upon the Lord. They're other people-centered, and more than anything else, they are beginning to make disciples. Did you find yourself in that picture? There's probably a place where you are the majority of the time. You do know it's possible, honestly, to be 12 years of age, but have the maturity of a spiritual young adult. I've seen it before. You do know it's possible to be a 75-year-old man or woman who's been following Christ for decades, but have the maturity of an infant or a child. It's not age-related. Where am I in that picture? I believe that I am a parent. And I don't say that in a big-headed way, I'm a pastor of a church. If I'm not a parent, I should get another job. I I absolutely should be a parent. That should be normal for a pastor in a church to be investing into other people's lives in a mature way and to have their lives on the Word of God. I say that to you because I want to say this, not to say I'm a parent, but to to be a little bit honest and confess something different. I may be a parent, but here's the truth about Pastor Alan Cullen. There are days where I act like an infant. I may be a parent, but I have moments that are tremendously childish. I think that's actually all of us. So what about you? Where are you in the picture? And sometimes you don't know. Sometimes we're more or less aware than we have self-awareness, uh, or more or less mature than we actually realize. So. I would ask you this week, would you maybe in your community group or maybe a trusted friend, it's a gutsy conversation to go up to somebody and say, hey, you remember that little picture we looked at on Sunday? Can I ask you, you won't hurt my feelings. Well, you might, but please be honest with me anyway. Where do you think I am? I, I think I know where I am, but maybe I don't know. Maybe I can't see what you can see about me. And why do you think I am that way? It's, it's actually a, a gutsy conversation. It's most difficult for an infant or a child to ask that question, particularly one who's been living for Christ for decades, because they don't want to hear the answer to the question. But I would nudge you. Go for it. Imagine one evening you're watching television, and you are all cozy and comfy on your lazy boy. You're on your lovely couch, and you're eating your Twinkies and your Doritos. You got all that Dorito dust on your fingertips, and you're licking them away here. And all of a sudden, you hear a knock on the doorbell, and you get up, and unbelievably, it is the committee for the United States of America Olympics. And you're like, wow, why are you at my door? (laughs) 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 And they said, Well, we have this computer, and we did this huge research project, and we've looked at everybody, we've got information, we know this stuff, and we've actually identified, it's you. We want you to run the marathon for the United States of America in the next Olympics. And you're like, wow, the furthest I've ever run is from the couch to the refrigerator. I'm back again. What are they doing here? And they leave. And your imagination just goes wild. And you can't help it, but you begin to think, oh, there I am, standing on the podium. And the American national anthem goes, and the flag is there. And I bow down humbly to receive the gold medal, they put it around me. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, this is all you're thinking about. And then you realize, man, a sense of urgency maybe I was born to run this race. There'll be like a billion people watching that around the earth. And now the race becomes the central focus of your life and it dominates your mind and it occupies your every moment and you think, man, if I'm going to win this race, that's what's going to get me out of bed like every morning. This is what I'm going to live for you. And then it dawns on you, oh, wait a second. I can't run a marathon. In fact, I can't run a marathon even if I try really, really, really hard. I still can't run a marathon. And you know what you need to do. Church, you need to train. This is growing up, this is maturing in Christ. This is how we follow Jesus Christ. This is how we become a disciple, this is how we become a disciple maker. And a child or an infant today will listen to the sermon and perhaps even smile, perhaps even nod in agreement. That's a good scripture, pastor. But a maturing Christian will listen and say, how can I do that? We said in the series that at the end of every sermon, we're going to have what we call an I will statement so that we don't just listen to the Bible, listen to the preached word of God, and then just walk away. Rather that we would say, no, this is what I'm going to do to act on what I've just heard. And I want to give you an I will statement. Would you listen to this? This is what obedience looks like today. I will pray to God, talk to a friend about my personal maturity, and ask God to help me grow. Church, on February 6th in St. John's, we're going to launch Boot Camp for Disciples. On February 7th in Alma and in Mount Pleasant, we're going to launch boot camp for disciples for Alma and for Mount Pleasant. And I want to invite the whole church. We'll have childcare and we'll have dinner for everybody. And it will be a training ground for our next step in your life. The QR code is open and connect is open and uh, you can sign up today. Church, I love you. God bless.